witches. Welcome to the Witch the Vote podcast. We're Paige and Erica, and you can find all of our information about progressive candidates for the upcoming Salem election on our website, witchthevote.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash witchthevote, and on Instagram at, you guessed it, witchthevote. We're here tonight about three hours before the moon will be new, new moon in Scorpio. And so that puts us in the dark moon period, which is a great time to banish what is no longer serving you. And we thought that would be the perfect opportunity to talk about flipping our city council. We have some city council members who are definitely not serving the progressive causes here in Salem. And it's time to, you know, banish them from the city council. And we saw on Thursday nights, in Thursday night city council meeting, really proof positive on why we got to get these folks out. All right, Paige, so why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today on this podcast? So Salem's city election is coming up on Tuesday, November 5th, so very soon. And it's really crucial. Local elections are really crucial. We can change a lot more at a local level than we can on a national level, especially right now in this moment. So if you think about local governments as like tiny versions of the national government, in Salem we have a mayor who's kind of like the president of the town. We have ward councilors who are kind of like state representatives and then we have at-large councilors who represent the town at large and they're kind of I would equate them to like senators basically right because they they represent bigger populations so we have a few incumbent meaning councilors who already have the representative seat Um, we have a few incumbents who really dig their heels in to oppose really important progressive issues in Salem. And we have really great insurgent candidates, meaning incoming candidates, who would do an awesome job on the council that we need to get in there. And I think there's definitely like a generation gap between, you know, some of these counselors that we really want to flip their seats. But more than that, it's just sort of like clinging to like a past and being unwilling and unreceptive to moving Salem into the future. Because Salem is changing no matter, and I mean every city and every town is changing, no matter where you are and no matter what you do, there are more people, there's more poverty, there are more issues thanks to our national and state governments. It, 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 it's already happening. Late stage capitalism crushing us all. Capitalism, always. Um, It's already happening. So the fact that they're really digging their heels in to try and stop it is just going to make for a way bigger disaster when it all finally does explode. Right. So it's really time to, you know, get serious and take some action. And so we're here to tell you um, how you can do that with your vote on November 5th. We had actually already recorded this podcast and then attended the city council meeting and realized that we were far too soft on these incumbent counselors. So basically what happened on Thursday was there was a very common sense, easy proposal to 
create more housing options in Salem by allowing homeowners to convert garages and attics and spaces under 800 square feet with off-street parking into rental units. Seems like a no-brainer. People in Salem are really worried about new buildings, mismatching with the architecture. These units already exist. It would help seniors. It would help singles. It would help students, workers, professionals, literally a lot of people. Like, we really need just more housing here in Salem. And this was going to be a great option. And pretty much, like, everyone agreed about that, it seemed like. And it even was voted in first passage a few weeks ago. We were there for that as well. A few counselors we're going to be talking about in just a minute did actually see that this was a reasonable, logical uh, ordinance, right? And they said, yeah, let's do it. Maybe it's got some issues that we'll work out in committee, but let's do it. So the counselors that eventually voted no, we're going to talk about. And then just right in the beginning here, I want to let you know that the counselors that we really like, and there are a lot, the candidates that we really like, you can you can see on whichthevote.com. So, okay, let's talk about these counselors that we, we got to flip, that we got to get out. We've got Elaine Milo, who's a counselor at large. We've got Arthur Sargent, also counselor at large. Counselor at large. And Tim Flynn, Ward 4 counselor. And Dibble, right? Steve Dibble, Ward 7, which Salem State is your ward. So you have a lot of power over whether he gets reelected or not. So, you know, let's talk about this. Like, what were their reasons for voting against this? And Really, like, the motivation, right, in general, is sort of, like, maintaining white privilege. It's true. A lot of the reasons that they keep coming back to just boil down to we don't want single-family neighborhoods to become multi-family neighborhoods, or we don't want Salem to be over-urbanized, which we know is really coded language for we don't want young people, workers, people of color, immigrants... These are your these are your like classic NIMBYs, right? Which is like a term that everybody should know, even though I wish nobody had to know it because it is it just like grosses me out so bad. But it's an acronym for not in my backyard, right? And again, the, it's it's very much about upholding white supremacy and white privilege and um, you know, thinly veiled classism, racism, you name it, right? And so, you know, Tim Flynn's argument. Tim Flynn's argument was basically that this proposal would allow what in city hall language are called R1 neighborhoods, so single family home neighborhoods, to all suddenly become multifamily home neighborhoods and that Salem's culture and integrity would be eliminated in favor of more dense housing. I don't really see how he thinks it's more dense because they would be accessory to existing buildings, but that's basically his argument is that all of a sudden Salem would be overrun. And there are a lot of flaws in that other than the fact that it's an extremely classist privileged argument, but the main one is that these units would be created by homeowners. So right now homeowners don't have the freedom that he keeps citing, you know, or the control over their neighborhood to rent out their 
their spaces if they need to, if their elderly parents need to move into the smaller garage that doesn't have stairs to deal with, you know, and they aren't able to move in. So that's a that's just an inherently flawed argument. Well, and also, I mean, it's highly unlikely as well that everyone in an R1 neighborhood is all of a sudden going to have a rental property attached to their house. But also, I mean, like, I'm sure Flynn is a subscriber to free market capitalism. So that would say that, you know, if that's what those people want to do, that's what they're allowed to do. And, you know, again, it's just like, under by their own rules that's supposed to be what is like allowed to happen um and and again it's so unlikely that it's like ridiculous but but if it did happen that would be their choice and isn't the whole point of our city government to support the majority of voices the majority of which have said at city council meetings and public hearings over the past few months we want this to happen he and other councilors kept saying that They've talked to so many people that are against it and that they've gotten overwhelmed. But those people aren't showing up for meetings. They're not showing and up for meetings. they're not giving public testimony at the right. city council meetings. And so we're just know. kind of supposed to take their word for it right. that that's what's happening. I don't trust that they're not approaching these people and saying, hey, we're really concerned. Priming them or like prepping them to give. Right. No, totally. Because we've been at all of these meetings. All of them. <laughs> and there have been many. Um, and I can tell you, you know, that the voices that are pro this ordinance and others, you know, sort of like it far outweigh the people who come to speak against them. So it's, you know, again, it's this thing where, you know, watching from the wings, it's like these people are saying no for their own political reasons and maybe their own personal reasons and not for reasons that have anything to do with what's right for Salem. And 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 that's really the bottom line here, right? I mean, we all, you know, definitely right now, like the whole country has this like really heightened kind of like, um, you know, sense of there being sort of two different ideologies and nobody wants to budge an inch. But you know, you really like want to have want to see better than that, I think, with your local politicians. And, you know, unfortunately, and maybe it's like naive of me to even like think that we should. But it's really disappointing to see that happening, you know, and to see people just, again, acting out on some kind of like weird ideology or some kind of like weird political stance when, you know, it doesn't even make sense. Which in the case of Tim Flynn is also rooted in a lot of Christian supremacy. Tim Flynn crosses himself after saying the Pledge of Allegiance and ends all of his Facebook comments with God bless. Even when people have specifically asked him not to do that because they feel condescended to or attacked um, by his faith, you know, not sharing his faith, and he has mocked them by saying it over and over again. So it's this kind of entrenched religious patriotism that is not supposed to be present on our city council. Our city councils are supposed to be nonpartisan. Right. They're supposed to just consider the needs of the city. So Tim Flynn is extremely partisan. He's he he's got to go. He is running against Michael Cusick, who's a lovely person, a lovely gentleman. He has been at all of these meetings too. Please check out his Facebook page. I think it's just Michael Cusick for Ward Four Councilor. We'll link it on the website. We'll link it. It's all it's linked. <laughs> it's linked already um, on the he website. He is 
a really community-minded guy. He values the diversity of the city. He told us personally that he really wanted a millennial to run against Tim Flynn, but couldn't find any who would, so he kind of stepped in himself. Um, And he has said that he would have wholeheartedly supported this proposal and other affordable housing proposals that we've um, seen blocked by the city council. So Ward 4. Ward 4, peeps, witches. Check the ward map. It's also linked on our website. See if you're in Ward 4. Vote for Michael Cusick. Vote Tim Flynn out. Out. Please. (laughs) Dark moon blessings. Vote him out. Okay. Who's next? Elaine? Sure. Let's go with Elaine Milo. Elaine Milo is especially disappointing because she made this big statement that after we had criticized her for blocking a lot of affordable housing measures, she made this big statement that she was going to be looking at everything through an affordable housing lens. And she made a really pointed comment at the meeting on Thursday referencing that statement and said, for this ordinance, I'm looking at it through two lenses, affordable housing and And white privilege. (laughs) Basically, she brought up the same point that Single-family neighborhoods don't want to become multifamily neighborhoods, which, again, the homeowners would be building the units. So if they want their neighborhood to include accessory dwelling units, that's the whole point of the proposal. And you can tell, like, I don't even think Elaine Milo, like, believes even what, like, she's saying. Like, I just, you know, there's, like, a real dissonance there for me with her because I'm like, I just feel like there is something else going on here that's making her because I believe there was an email sent starting with the words how dare you and ending with the words make no mistake and I really think that that actually did get through to her I think it did she asked me if I wanted to go get coffee right I did not respond but I think that you know I think she's just really entrenched in you know again her world her privilege and doesn't really have the courage to really go against some of that stuff that I think is just really, like I said, entrenched. That's a like deep dive. That's my armchair (laughs) deep dive on Elaine. But well, it all comes down to fear, right? I mean, the conservatives of Salem, the conservative constituents of Salem are really, really vocal and really mean. Well, just like everywhere else in this country. Right. So if you're carrying the mantle of white privilege and wealth and you're in this social circle of all of these people with these beliefs and now you're representing them of course they're the only people you're going to be listening to because they're the ones that you talk to every day so we need somebody in there who's not going to do that elaine milo is counselor at large which means she represents the whole city which means that we can all vote her out yay and banish her from city council and we will we are so wholeheartedly in support of Alice Merkel for Uh, counselor at large. We just wish we could vote a thousand times for Alice Merkel. Alice Merkel worked at the food bank yesterday morning and then knocked on a hundred doors and then came to the house witch store dressed like Garth with her husband dressed like (laughs) Wayne from Wayne's World. And And uttered party on a few times. It's like, I, she's like literally the energizer bunny of social justice in Salem. 
and is going to make such a good counselor. I'm not even going to say if she wins because she's going to win. She's and going to. She's crushing it, and she's going to be just such an amazing advocate for progressive values on the city council. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and she actually made the top four choices um, in the preliminary election. So as long as we all do the same thing we yes. did for the preliminary. Or better. Or better. The same or better. That's how manifestation works. Yeah. Um, but we know that there are also a lot more voters turning out for the real election than there were for the preliminary. So it's still really crucial that we go out and vote for Alice. Yay. So let's go to one more who is just really entrenched in this old world these old world values this old picture of what it means to live in Salem um clinging to these like old bad ideas you know who I'm talking about Arthur Sargent Sarge at large he's gotta go Arthur Sargent is just never afraid to be the only one at the table saying the very tone-deaf, out-of-touch thing. Everybody else at the table can be saying Columbus Day was a genocide, and Arthur Sargent will say, we need to be careful about separating online information from fact. And Right, because it's only online that people think that Christopher Columbus was a monster. That's just uh, this newfangled thing called the internet has this whole rumor mill about good old Christopher Columbus, and Arthur Sargent wants to make sure that nobody... Takes that. Because he was a history major at Salem State. Yeah. like, And this is the first now. he's hearing of this. Yeah. So Arthur Sargent's argument was that, and always is, that Salem has enough affordable housing. Salem is at 12% of affordable housing, which is better than some communities surrounding us. Mm-hmm. However, the fact that Arthur Sargent doesn't want to acknowledge is that Salem is only building 3% of the housing. And I'm not even just talking affordable housing. I'm talking market rate housing. Salem is only building 3% of the housing it should to meet demand. So 12% of 3% is nothing. I just put my math glasses on. And yeah, I mean, it's nothing. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't even know if I'm right, but it, it should be something like 0.036%. What is 0.03% of a house look like, do you think? <laughs> just a, a single... Just like a single lawn chair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically. Out in the middle of a lawn or something. Well, it wouldn't be out in the middle of the lawn because they didn't pass accessory dwelling <laughs> units. <laughs> True. So, so that was his argument, is that Salem already has enough affordable housing. And in a previous meeting, he had doubled down on it and said that we have enough affordable housing, we need to start building more housing for Salem's best and brightest, Mm. which is more extremely coded language for poor people suck. Right. (laughs) Basically. I reminded him that while I am among Salem's best and brightest, I live above a garage in an ADU. That's where we're recording right now. Right this very moment. Yeah. And I mean, just for good measure, let's remind everyone that he defined um, diversity in Salem as being created by the slave ships arriving here with in the, the 17th spice century. He, he really said that. Really some problematic ideas, um, very representative of, you know, again, kind of an old guard that we really, you know, that just refuses to budge. budge. And, and that's just not. And he also seems to keep leaning on this idea of, well, I wasn't born wealthy. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Basically the pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Yeah 
argument. The myth of the meritocracy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But it's really scary because Arthur Sargent has sat on the city council for like 20 years now. And his campaign signs are everywhere in Salem. So if you're not doing your research about these candidates, you probably think that he's a fine candidate because everybody seems to have these lawn signs. Well, and that's a good, you know, that's a good way to talk about the fact that, you know, the all three of these counselors and, you know, also Dominguez and also Dibble, they all have co-opted this language of like, it's not good enough because it doesn't mandate like affordable housing. So they're basically trying to like co-opt more progressive language, which is like really sneaky. And, you know, we're just here to say... <laughs> that that's not really what they're concerned about. Um, They want to just block anything because anything that creates new housing in Salem is going to help affordable housing. You know, more supply equals less demand equals price moderation, right? I mean, it's like, again, like very simple capitalism here. And so the fact that, you know, when they stand up and what they can tell their constituents is, oh, well, the reason I voted no for that is because it doesn't do enough for affordable housing. That makes them look even more progressive than the progressives, right? But it's not true. Fake news, right? It's like, (laughs) we're taking that back. So who is another at-large candidate that people can vote for to get Sargent out of there? Ty Hapworth. Love him. Great guy. Wonderful guy. Has also posted on Facebook that he would have supported this proposal wholeheartedly. He is all about preservation, so he is really passionate about the architecture and this culture of Salem that people keep referencing. And he knows that this proposal would have been a great way to create more housing without having to build more buildings. He's he's just great. We like Ty a lot. Great. Any other at-large candidates that we want to highlight here? There are four spots. And how many candidates? Eight. Jeff Cohen. Jeff Cohen is a great guy. He is more progressive than anybody. He is the head of the Salem No Place for Hate Committee, which is a wonderful committee. He champions pretty much every topic of concern that comes his way. You know, you can ask Jeff to learn about LGBTQ rights, you can ask him to learn about environmental rights, climate change, change, and he will make it his mission to fix it. Very passionate guy. Very forward thinking. A lot of really concrete plans. Great guy. I do want to take a minute because you had so eloquently brought up the fact that any housing built would help affordable housing to talk for a minute about one of our other sitting counselors at large and a conflict of interest on these matters who is Domingo Dominguez a nice guy we think he could be a great counselor but he tends to align himself with whoever is on the winning side and a lot of times those are the people who are blocking the ordinances so he also blocks some ordinances Domingo Dominguez is a landlord in Salem so him voting against housing proposals yeah, that's a problem it's a problem it's sketchy it's um you know the conservatives of salem really love to throw around conflict of interest and we'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about the ward two race but yeah that just really rubs us the wrong way that he would so and he was also blocking another 
housing measure in that meeting, which we won't get into now because it's super complicated. But he's another counselor at large that probably will get voted back in because he has a lot of support. He's got a lot of momentum. He's got a lot of momentum. He's He is a nice guy. He always comes over and shakes everybody's hand before the meeting and says, thank you for being here. And we think he could do a good job if he's surrounded by the right people. Um, so we don't support him, but we don't not support him. Well, I think it's just sort of like we have to know where to put our energy. And because he does have a lot of momentum and a lot of support, he could be worse. You know, he probably will get reelected. So, you know, it's just kind of like why, you know, why push too hard on that? It's, it's probably not going to change anything. But, you know, one can dream. Just keep it on your radar. So Alice Merkel, Ty Hapworth, Jeff Cohen, and Conrad Prasniewski is almost definitely going to get voted in because he is an institution in Salem. He served as chief of police some very important police position <laughs> and he's he's a nice guy i mean he was endorsed by the rainbow times he's no i have no problems he with came Conrad. to one of our which the vote events at house witch which you know means a lot you know that these candidates will show up they'll you know they will show up and they will take pictures in the you know very progressive intersectional feminist witch store you know surrounded by millennials that means a lot you know i think to me anyways and it shows you know, a willingness to engage, you know, of course, we have kind of a generation gap happening, uh, again, in Salem, and, and I think everywhere else. And it's always nice. I think, you know, that's one of the most heartwarming things about people like Alice Merkel and Michael Cusick, you know, they uh, bridge that divide a little bit and, and are willing to come over and say, like, you know, the problems that younger people are having are just as valid as, you know, what's going on for their age group, which is like, we don't know where we're going to live either as we age. And, you know, definitely like valid concerns. But, you know, unfortunately, if that's all that we're talking about and we're not looking at the other end of the spectrum, then, you know, a lot of people that we know are left out in the cold or they're moving uh, further up the North Shore, leaving Salem. And, you know, again, it's just not really fair because it's people like us and the people that we know that, you know, support the tourist economy here in Salem, which brings in like tons of rev revenue for the city. And we should really be represented on the city council. I mean, that's what this is all about, right? Representation. And, you know, it's just we need more people who represent these types of values because these, you know, people it's it's really like truly, again, another kind of microcosm, right? Because it's like I think that Salem is a place that is so progressive in so many ways, like places like the downtown wards, it's sort of like California right like there's all there's this like huge center of kind of you know progressive values liberal values whatever you want to call them but in cases like these ordinance things where you need this super majority this kind of minority voice is allowed to you know dismantle what we could be doing so if that made any sense but what, where else can we go here? Let's talk about the wards, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a great segue talking about bridging the generation gaps. Yeah. It's a great segue into our favorite millennial on the council, Christine Madore. Love her. Ward 2 counselor, which is downtown Salem. So she's the city counselor for Housewitch, our home base. And she, her, I mean, technically she's running unopposed. She is the only name appearing on the ballot under Ward 2. So who is Stacia Kraft? Stacia Kraft announced her write-in campaign 
after the preliminary election. So like who is she? So less than a Get month. Out of here. <laughs> so less than a month before the actual election. She is an admin for a Facebook page called Salem Four, the numeral four real, which is basically a space for the conservatives, the alt-right, the just... Nobody good. Yeah, not our friends, basically, to, to air their grievances with the progressives of Salem, the millennials of Salem, the mayor of Salem, just anything that they deem. Shout out to Mayor Kim, by the way. Shout out to Mayor Kim. We love Mayor Kim. We would love to buy you a beer sometime. <laughs> totally. Um, so... So Stasha Kraft is an admin for the Salem for Real Facebook page. She also has a reputation for being kind of a bully in community organizations. She works a lot in the Salem Arts Committee community, um, and she just has a reputation for not playing well with others, basically. But her whole campaign is based on this idea that Christine wants to overdevelop Salem and that she because her day job is in city development and planning and complicated smart people stuff that I don't know the name of but stuff that makes Christine a wonderful qualified representative Stasha Kraft and her committee are calling it a conflict of interest and that she's somehow in the pockets of these big develop these big scary developers that people keep referencing and that's just not at all true christine Medore knows her shit she knows the zoning laws backwards and forwards she knows what's going on in other communities in she's other like states exactly the kind of candidate that you want on city council right she's <laughs> wonderful but it's it's a case of these people speaking with so much authority and so much privilege that they're convincing a lot of really progressive people that Stasha is the progressive choice and not Christine. I've I've seen Stasha Kraft signs on lawns with Jeff Cohen and Ty Hapworth signs, and that makes zero sense. Christine Medore is the progressive candidate. We're having a Millennials for Medore party at House Switch on November 4th, the night before the election. It's an event on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash witchthevote. Join us there if you want to talk to her. If you live in Ward 2, check the ward map. Come talk to Christine. Have some snacks. 7 o'clock to 8.30. And you can see why she's much more qualified to be um, on the council than this write-in challenger. Is there anything going on in Ward 1? So Ward 1, I think, is a really good example of a race where there's really no... You don't have to pick the lesser of two evils, you know? Bob McCarthy and James Willis are both great guys. Whoever wins that race, I really look forward to how they both continue to work with the city. I'm not going to... I mean, there's not a lot at stake Do you know why James is challenging well james lives in the point neighborhood which is a neighborhood that definitely deserves more representation in our city government he's a single parent he's definitely a progressive candidate i mean he comes to pretty much all of our events which is wonderful um and he's a really engaged community member i mean he has great ideas great community member bob mccarthy is he also always votes the way that we want him to and we really love that he is often the 
only voice of reason on the city council. Yeah, it's it's actually like fun to watch him yeah. um, at meetings because he definitely is sort of a voice of reason. He also knows, I think, like policy and procedure of the city council. Oh, backwards really and well. forwards. He can whip out the exact rule yeah. that he needs to to get everybody to shut up and vote. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also really, he's really attentive. He's really accessible. He al- he answers my emails within like 30 seconds. He's always on the Facebook comments. So both Bob McCarthy and James Willis are great guys. I would say we endorse them both. <laughs> um, you know, do your research. I think they might have events going on, you know, for meet and greets. Check their, check their pages. I mean, yeah, I just think it's a great example of finally, finally having a race where we don't have to choose the lesser of two evils. We don't have to worry about Ward 1. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Ward 3 is a really crucial part of Salem. It encompasses um, Salem Hospital and a lot of our, like, bigger businesses, like the Target and Market Basket and stuff on Highland Ave. Patty Marcillo is running for that seat she's part of the salem league of women voters we really like her a lot she actually supported you know she had great things to say about joel mulholland our friend who ran and didn't get through the preliminaries she patty really did a great job of just running very gracefully she's endorsed by the current ward three counselor whom we totally love patty marcello is the choice lisa peterson is also someone that makes Jim Halpert eyes at me a lot in city council meetings and I appreciate her for many reasons but that's a big one we tend to lock eyes at uh, crucial moments most of the time when Sargent is so something particularly inflammatory Um, she's great she's running against Seth Moulton for a seat in the state congress for a state representative seat Um, and that election is next year so, We're not um, worrying about that one. We'll be, <laughs> right. So we'll be talking more about Lisa Peterson later. But for now, she's vacating her seat in Ward 3, and we love Patty Marcello. Yay. Okay, we talked about Ward 4. We got we got to get Flynn out. We love Michael Cusick. Ward 5. Ward 5 is Josh Turiel, who is running unopposed. He's a great guy. Love Josh Turiel. Love Josh. He seems to like us. Yeah, mm-hmm. he came to a Witch the Vote event a long time ago. Um, and taught us all, schooled us all on how to run, how to be a candidate. Um, Ward 6. Ward 6, we have our friend Beth Gerard not running for her seat again. She is, I mean, you can tell that she is at the end of her term because she's just. She doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) She is just, she is willing to stand up and say it and Man, do I love watching that. So shout out to Beth Gerard. So running for Ward 6 is Meg Riccardi, who's another millennial. She's awesome. She's all about sustainability and the environment, which is really important in Salem, especially because we're a coastal community. And Ward 6 um, contains the North River, which is this, you know, really crucial waterway in Salem that's extremely polluted. Um, there's a lot of work to be done there. And... Yeah, Megan is fantastic. Sidebar before we go to Ward 7, I mean, I think this will give a nice segue. These meetings can be really entertaining, and people are really missing out by not getting involved in, uh, in, in local politics here in Salem because, you know, right now there is just there is a lot of tension, um, and 
you know, that kind of makes things exciting. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I wish the tension weren't there. I wish we were just getting progressive things passed. But, you know, right now, Councillor Fury, who's also on his way out, a Whom very passionate. Love. Man, I wish he was running again. I love that guy. Is he at large? He is at large, yeah. He's. I love that guy. He's the only renter on city council. Always, always fighting for a class consciousness on city council and and he he keeps things interesting and Beth Gerard has kept things interesting and you know not saying that it has to be entertaining but it is man you've just never seen adults behave this way I swear <laughs> truly it is. Um, it, if you like Parks and Rec you will right. like going to city council meetings right. you really will totally and so and and I think one of the reasons for that is that the current president of the city council is a man named Steve Dibble and you know I think his personality matches exactly what you would think with with someone with that Steve Dibble dot 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 so Steve Dibble is another one that you'll see his signs up everywhere all over Ward 7 I mean I drove through there today to go grocery shopping and was just beside myself with how many Steve Dibble signs there were, mostly accompanied by Arthur Sargent and Elaine Milo signs. So if you want some very clear evidence about who are cronies on the council, just check whose lawn signs are appearing together. And I mean, like, what I will say about Dibble is that, like, the first few city council meetings that I went to, I, like, really, I was, like, I was so confused by his confusion. Yes. (laughs) Like, I was, like, what... I was like, this guy seems really confused, but, like, I mean, he's the president of this thing and, like, you know, presumably is doing this work a lot. But he doesn't seem to know what the heck is going on. President meaning he gets to stand up at the podium with the gavel and yeah. and choose who gets to talk when. One of the first – or um, it was the second meeting we went to because we went to an affordable housing proposal meeting where – Councillor Beth Gerard filed for reconsideration at the next meeting. I guess, I think it was Tim Flynn who also filed for reconsideration. And at the next meeting, Beth Gerard got up with her notes ready to present this. And Steve Dibble started stammering through this whole explanation for actually, we can't hear from Councillor Gerard today because etc cetera, etc cetera. and and he even said now now because there was an outcry in the room when he said this and he said well you know now folks i'm i'm really deep in the rules here too i mean this is this is kind of uncharted territory i believe he said so he admitted that he went looking for a reason to not let her speak and to let the the opposition who he aligned with speak instead but he just did it in this way that had so little confidence and so little authority and right. i think that's what really disturbs me about him is that he knows that by maintaining this place of white privilege and wealth privilege, he doesn't have to know what he's talking about. Right. And so all of his objections against the accessory dwelling units, the first one was, well, it's going to mess up parking for the whole city. And they said, well, it's already built into the proposal that units that would qualify need to have off-street parking available. Otherwise, it's the same process it is now. You have to go for a special permit. And then his concern was that homeowners could suddenly build an accessory building that was the same size as the primary house so that we would end up with two houses on the same lot which isn't true because the restrictions are spaces 800 square feet and under 
So there's no way that that could happen. And then, yeah, he's the one who said that he was concerned that every single family home in the city would all of a sudden sprout an apartment. And he's one of the flip-floppers. Who said that if his concerns were addressed in committee, he voted yes he on voted first, yes. On first yep. passage and said that as long as his concerns were addressed in committee, even though they had already been addressed, that he would vote yes on second passage. And from what we know, we weren't at the committee meeting the night before. But all of his concerns were addressed. Right. And he gave every indication that he would be voting in favor. So that was just a very strange flip-flop. And I think that's been the most frustrating thing about that whole process was seeing the same arguments brought up week after week after week by the same counselors and them getting the same answers and just seeming to not hear it at all or not understand. So Steve a lot of compromise on the part of the more progressive counselors and the mayor um, only to be just shut down for no reason on Second Passage. Very disappointing. I mean, there's there's a lot of different posts on Facebook from different members of the community. A lot of people were really, really disappointed when this didn't happen. And Dibble was one of the counselors who said that almost everybody he talked to was against the proposal, to which I say yet again, I don't believe you. And if that is true, I believe that you were leading them to that opinion because the other thing is that tons of different business owners and you know heads of of like Salem Hospital for example were at the meeting where it was voted uh yes on for first passage the owner of Coffee Time Bake Shop which is he's you know a big sort of mover and shaker in the business community here highly respected you know came and pleaded for them to to pass the ordinance as did, you know, one of the big wigs at Salem Hospital, as did the head witch in charge of House Witch Home and Healing. No, just kidding. I mean, I did, of course, you know. And so this is, it's not just a popular agenda for, you know, progressive witches and millennials, you know. This is like everybody can see this because, you know, business owners like me, for example, I need to hire people to work in my business. And if they can't get to work because they don't live, you know, in a decent proximity to Salem or, you know, that becomes kind of a hardship for them. Well, then that's a problem for me. And, you know, again, it's the local businesses here that bring in, you know, so much revenue to the city, you know, in October and and really all year long. The fact that we both worked in the shop or for the shop all day on Thursday, taking in tourists, making their experience wonderful, inviting them to come back, hearing about the people who came back year after year because they love Salem so much, and then locked the, locked the door of the, the shop, went to City Hall, and heard all of these counselors just completely dismissing just didn't care. all of our concerns. Man, that sucked. It was disappointing. It was very, very disappointing and very, very frustrating. And that's why we decided to re-record <laughs> this right. podcast. So, right. just oh, oh. running against Steve Dibble for Ward Seven is Andy Varela, who is an urban farmer in Salem. He's held all of his meet and greets at his very charming farm, and you Yo. can buy their amazing pickled products at Salem Farmers Markets. Um, he's a fantastic candidate please board seven salem state if you do nothing else vote for alice merkel and andy varela and then go on with your day yeah exactly so just to wrap up 
here's what we need. We need you to vote on Tuesday, November 5th, in the Salem local election for city council. We need you to vote for four counselors at large. We suggest Alice Merkel, Ty Hapworth, Jeff Cohen, and Conrad Presnowski. We really, really, really need Arthur Sargent, Elaine Milo, Tim Flynn, Steve Dibble, gone. We're talking Dark Moon vibes. We're talking releasing what is no longer serving us, sending it back out into the universe somewhere Out else. of city council chambers. <laughs> out of city hall. Back into their own Pack homes. up your white privilege and go, guys. Okay? Um, and so, and then in the individual ward races, let's just go through them again really quick. Ward 1. Bob McCarthy or James Willis. Choose your own adventure. Ward 2. Christine Madore. Christine Madore all day. Ward 3. Patty Marcello. Ward 4. Michael Cusick. Ward 5. Josh Terrell because that's your only choice and he's great. Ward 6. Meg Riccardi, Megan Riccardi, and Ward 7, Andy Varela. That's who we endorse as Witch the Vote, holding up, you know, the most progressive values, the things that witches care about. You can read more about our mission on uh, witchthevote.com. You can find us on Instagram at witchthevote and on Facebook. Just facebook.com slash witchthevote. Again, we're doing uh, Millennials for Medor on Monday, November 4th from 7 to 8.30. If you want to know a little bit more about Christine Medor as a candidate. And even if you don't live in Ward 2 and just want to ask her about affordable housing and development in Salem, she's an amazing resource. I, and honestly, I mean, Ward 2 affects the whole city. The whole city because, you know, it is the downtown area. It is the historical district, which, you know, to me it's like, if we're talking about the character of Salem, to me, we're talking about the historical district and we're talking about downtown. So Christine Medor, important person. Um, come and meet her. You'll love her. Hopefully she'll wear her millennial pink blazer. Oh God, I love Or her red victory dress. Right. I would be happy with either. I think that's it for me. Anything else? Witch the vote. Yeah, just witch the vote. Just vote. Please. <laughs> witch it if you want. <laughs> But just do it, you know? City elections are so, so important. There's so much going on on a national level that we just have no, zero to little control over. And city elections, we have so much control over. You can really, really make a difference in your own life and in your community um, by paying attention to some of these things. And, you know, like I said, I know it can sound a little dry and a little boring, but it actually, when you start to get involved, is like, pretty entertaining and like definitely a little bit you know if you bring I my secret is that I bring candy to the city council <laughs> elections and you know with a little bit of a sugar rush it, it really is like watching an episode of like the office or parks and rec so high key recommend but um, thank you for listening if you still are um, and more episodes to come thank you bye <laughs>